0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, this morning. Yes, we really have reached the very end of Galatians. Some of you, I think, doubted whether we would ever do it. Uh, Count me in uh, with that. Galatians, chapter 6, starting today in verse 11. We've reached the closing paragraph in Paul's letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. And Paul doesn't just say goodbye like he normally does. He started this letter with a bang and he ends it with a bang as well. Our series is called The Truth of the Gospel because that's what was at stake in the region of Galatia. I hope that over the last 15 messages in this series, we've all come to realize just how important it is to hold on to the gospel of grace alone through faith alone In Christ Jesus alone. No other gospel saves. No other gospel satisfies. No other gospel is true. But the Galatians had been tempted to believe a different gospel. False teachers had infiltrated their ranks and begun teaching that to be justified, to be righteous, Before God on the last day, a person must observe the Mosaic law. And they taught that this was true for Gentiles, not just for Jews. Basically, Gentiles must become Jews and males through the mark of circumcision to be declared righteous before God. And friends, that's just not true. That's not how it works. That's a different gospel. And Paul has said that it's really no gospel at all. It's not good news. So for chapter after chapter in the book of Galatians, Paul has been dismantling this false gospel, laying out the truth of the gospel and its implications, and pleading, pleading, pleading with the Galatians to hold fast to the truth of the gospel. And as he writes his last paragraph in this letter, he's still doing it. Paul carries this campaign to the very end of his letter because he does not want to fail. He doesn't want to lose them. He wants them to cling to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our title for this morning. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul mentions the cross in verse 12. And again in verse 14. And what he says about the cross is of the utmost importance. Let's read together the closing paragraph and then pray and then talk about what it means for us today. Have you found it? Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression out are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for giving us Your Word. Our world is so topsy-turvy, so shakeable, and You've given us something that's right side up, solid, and unshakable to stand on. This is the truth. No matter what else the world says, this is the truth. Help us to understand it and stand on it. To stand on the truth of the gospel. And to have it infect us and change us and make us into the people you want us to be. Do that, Lord, in big ways or in small but real ways, Lord, as we encounter your word now. We pray it in the name of Jesus who went to the cross. Amen. Isn't verse 11 interesting? When I read it, it was like, huh. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Why do you write that? Most of the time, Paul probably used a secretary. That is, Oh, the, the big word for it, here's your big word for the day, is amanuensis. Now, that's, a, that's the big word we use for a teammate who writes things down for you. Okay, uh, Paul would often dictate his letters. He did that, for example, in the book of Romans to a guy named Tertius. All right, Tertius wrote down the book of Romans. Paul said it. Tertius wrote it down. And normally, Paul would come across at the end and he would sign his own name to it to authenticate the letter. But this letter, and I think what he's saying is that this last paragraph is personally written down by Paul himself. That's why he does it right here. He puts his own little, his own little thing in there. He's, he's not just signing it. He's writing out this last paragraph in great big letters. Why big letters? Well, it could be because of his eyesight. Yeah. Yeah because his eyesight was failing. That could have been part of the illness that had laid him low and kept him in Galatia. Remember that from chapter 4? He'd been laid out maybe by typhoid. We're not sure why. But I think I think it's because he really wants them to get this. He's saying that he's underlining it. He's putting it in italics. He's he's writing it in 88-point font. Look at how I am blowing up these last words for you, he's saying. Listen up, people. Pay attention. Heed my words. This is important. And what's his last message to the Galatians? What does he want them to hear? Well, it's the same thing he's been saying all along. Don't give in. Don't back down from the truth of the Gospel. Don't fall into the trap laid by these false teachers. Let me put it this way in point number one of two. Don't minimize the cross. Don't minimize the cross, guys. I'm maximizing my letters so that you don't minimize the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is going to draw a stark contrast in this paragraph, between the way of salvation that the agitators are proposing and the way of salvation that Paul has been showing them through the cross of Christ. And only one of those ways can be true. Look at verse 12. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly, literally in the flesh, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. He's back on the circumcision thing. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for what? For the cross of Christ. Paul is saying, those guys want you to be circumcised. They're pushing you to be circumcised. Why? What's behind that? Why do they want want you to do that? Well, they say it's for your good. They say it's for your salvation. They say it's what the Bible teaches. But Paul knows better. Paul knows what's behind this false teaching, behind this compulsion, and it is cowardice. Paul has already said in this letter that it's also greed and pride. But here he points out that they're doing this, verse 12, to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. If you elevate the law of Moses, then you won't get into trouble. Sure, you can believe in Jesus if you want, and you can even believe in His cross if you're quiet about it. But don't emphasize that. That'll get you into trouble. Emphasize the law of Moses, and you can fly under the radar of the leading Jews. Emphasize the law of Moses, and you can fly under the radar of the ruling Romans and just be treated as yet another Jew with some some measure of protected status in the Roman world. Just get circumcised, emphasize that and nobody gets hurt. They're saying just minimize the cross. Don't make such a big deal out of the cross of Jesus Christ. Make a big deal out of the law of Moses and how you're going to obey it. After all, it was given by God. But that's the very thing that Paul says we must not do. Remember Galatians 2.20? We memorized it most of this year. Let's say it together. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me the life i live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me does that sound like he's minimizing the cross uh uh-uh. uh what's the next verse say after that galatians 220 i mean it's just as important as galatians 2 galatians 221 is just as important as galatians 220 in 2.21, Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. See, that's the point of this whole book of Galatians. You do it that way and might as well go home. Don't set aside the grace of God by trying to add anything else to it, including even the law God gave to Moses don't minimize the cross Of course we still try to do this today we humans are always trying to add to what Jesus did for us we try to interject ourselves into the equation right we say it can't be that easy this grace thing I've got to do something to earn this right I got to play my part in my salvation right I mean it was my sin. I've got to pay for that somehow. I've got to help myself get out of this. No. No, you don't. You can't. And neither could they. Neither could the false teachers. Look at verse 13. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. He says it doesn't add up. Those guys who are pressing for you Gentile Christians to get circumcised. Come on, get circumcised. This is where life is. They don't even live up to what they preach. They don't keep the law. Sinners can't keep the law in that way. He's been saying that over and over again in this book. The law can only get you condemned. It can't save you. It was never meant to save you. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They just want to add you as another notch on their gun belts so that they can boast. So they can brag that they won you over so that they can count your foreskin on their pile. Don't let them. Don't give in to them. Don't become one of them. Don't minimize the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It would be easier if you did. You'd be able to fly under the radar. Everybody would accept you. Wouldn't be so hard. But it would be all wrong. You would get the glory that only Jesus should. So don't go there. Paul wouldn't go there. Look at verse 14. May I never boast. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through, whom the witch, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He says, don't minimize his cross. Boast in his cross. Don't minimize it. Maximize his cross. Think about what he's saying, though. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a crazy thing to say. It's like saying, may I never boast except in the electric chair that killed my Lord. May I never boast except in the lynching of my Savior. May I never boast except in the humiliating, torturing, shaming, painful, public execution of Jesus Christ. What a thing to glory in. The Greek root word for boast here is kok aomai. And it means to boast about something, to take pride in something, to rejoice in something, to, to glory in something. It's to say that something is the absolute best and to be so happy to be identified with it. What do we glory in? We all glory like this. It's, it's a human thing to do. I think a good example on a lesser level is how many people feel about their sports teams, right? Yesterday was a bunch of bowl games. Was there a bowl game anybody cared about uh, it, here? Like if I said, we are, some of you immediately would say, that's right, right? It's in, sti- in bred in you, right? That's a kind of aomai. To love something and to stand in it and be identified with it and rejoice in its strength. It's what many of us feel when we hear the star-spangled banner and we see the flag go by. Yes, kaka'omai. But Paul says that all of that counts for nothing. All of that should be at best a distant second place. So far back there that you can't even see it from here. And what should be in first place is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This bloody instrument of torture and death. Everything else should be minimized. Our ethnic or racial identities. Our family pride. I love being a Mitchell. It was great to be with Mitchells at the Thanksgiving gathering this week. But it's nothing to boast in. Our national identity. I love being an American, but it's nothing to boast about. Our personal abilities, our strengths, how smart we are, how rich we are, how athletic we are, how popular we are, how many likes and shares and follows we have, how sharp we dress, how perfect our lawn is, how big our house is, how good we act. Especially how good we act. We don't boast in our goodness, our good behavior, that we do the right things. So much moral preening and virtue signaling. We're always saying, I would never do that. No. If we boast, we boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that destroys all of our other boasts. Remember what Dave Catanzaro preached to us back in February? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can what? Kakaumai. So that no one can boast. So none of us humans can say, See how good I am? See what I did? Better than them. I did it. I earned my peace. I, I got there in my own strength. Yeah, God helped me, but I did it. You know, God has set up salvation in such a way that He is the only one that gets to boast. He is the one who has done all the work and gets all of the glory. And if we boast and, and if we glory, it's only in Him. And what His Son is did for us the unthinkable thing that his son did for us boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that's why we sing about it here every Sunday that's why we come back to the cross in every single sermon that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper every month like we'll do next week that's why we talk about the cross so much because it's our only boast It's our only hope. It's the thing we stand in and glory. Do you boast in the cross? Is Jesus' cross the only thing you're trusting in, hoping in, rejoicing in? I think we're tempted to boast in so many other things. And we're tempted to give a nod to the cross, but to find our identity and strength in just about any other place. I mean, who wants to boast in the suffering death of Jesus? The cross looks like weakness and shame and disgrace and pain. Think about what the cross is. We wear it as a little gold thing around our neck. We put it up on the wall on top of our buildings. If we saw a crucifixion, we would throw up. What a terrible, terrible thing the cross is. But it was that weakness, that shame, that disgrace, that pain that saves us. He took on the punishment that we deserved. Our sins, they are many. But His mercy is more. That's where we get that mercy. It's it's from the cross. And that's why we boast in the cross. Because His cross changes everything. Look at that last phrase in verse 14 once again. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See how everything's changed? When Jesus was crucified, we were crucified to the world. And the world was crucified to us. Sounds like Galatians 2.20, doesn't it? Those... The bells should be going off in our head when we read that. There was a fundamental change in our relationship to the world, the world system. Not the beauty of the earth, but humanity united in rebellion against God, society. Now the world does not have a controlling influence over us. It's broken. It's crucified. The world's approval and attraction are broken for us. The world has no controlling power over us any longer. We are crucified to the world and the world to us. Martin Luther, in his commentary on Galatians, said this about Galatians 6.14, Paul regards the world as damned and the world regards him as damned. He abhors all the doctrine, righteousness, and acts of the world as the poison of the devil The world detests Paul's doctrine and acts and regards him as seditious, pernicious, pestilent fellow and a heretic. So in other words, we're no longer friends with the world. We've been unfriended from the world. The cross has made us enemies with the world. And so when we boast in the cross, we should expect opposition from the world. And we shouldn't chase after the world any longer. We shouldn't care what the world thinks, what the world feels, what the world's going to do to us. As long as we're following Jesus, we're dead to the world. And the world is dead to us. Now, of course, we're also supposed to love the world as Jesus loved the world. We want those that are in the world to repent of being in the world and to join us in boasting in the cross. But we do not love the world or anything in the world like John said in 1 John 2.15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And now we're dead to that. We boast in the cross. We don't boast in our flesh, but in His flesh, broken for us. That's the point of verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. He says it's not whether or not we're circumcised that counts. What counts is are we changed by the cross. Notice he says it's not circumcision, which we would expect. That's what he's been saying. But he also says it's also not uncircumcision. We aren't supposed to boast in the fact that we know better than t- getting circumcised. Yeah, we didn't give in to those false teachers. We're uncircumcised. Woohoo! No, he says there's nothing wrong with circumcision if you do it for the right reasons ethnic reasons, traditional reasons, medical reasons, but not for justification, not for boasting in. We boast only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Are you a new creation? What, what does that phraseology remind you of? I hope it reminds some of you of 2 Corinthians 5:17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come if you're in Christ Jesus and trusting in what he did on the cross you're a new creation and you are part of the whole new creation that is going to come so are you in Christ are you trusting in Christ alone he says that's what counts What counts as being transformed by Jesus Christ? What counts as being a a new person because he was crucified for you and for me? What counts as being part of the first fruits of the world to come? You know, this world is not the end. This is not as good as it gets, as beautiful as it is. There is a world to come, a new creation, a new heavens and earth that is to come. And those that are in Christ get to be a part of that new world. Are you in the new creation now? By being in Christ. Not whether or not you're circumcised. Boast in His cross. Because the cross changes everything. Paul prays that this be true for everyone who sees the truth of the gospel. Look at verse 16. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. To all who keep in step with this pattern of teachings. Even to the Israel of God. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The Israel of God? That might mean ethnic Israel. So Paul would be saying peace and mercy to all who believe that it's the cross that matters and I hope that those who are Jewish believe it and get included like I did. Or I think it's a bit more likely that he means that these people who believe in and boast in his cross are the true Israel of God. They aren't just Israel in the flesh. They're Israel at heart. They're what Israel was always supposed to be, like the Jerusalem above in Galatians 4. Either way, Paul is saying that this is where peace and mercy come from. Do you want peace? Do you want mercy? They they flow from the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and not from anywhere else. The world gives a certain kind of peace. It doesn't last. It's not satisfying. It's not real. It's fake peace. Real peace comes from through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, where mercy flows, and only from the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us boast in Him, even though it will cost us in the short run. It sure cost Paul something. Look at verse 17. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Paul was pretty banged up from being persecuted. The false teachers wanted to avoid persecution, right? For the cross of Christ. We saw that in verse 12. But Paul didn't avoid it. He walked right into that persecution. And he limped right out of it. Paul never stopped boasting in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he paid for it dearly. In a later letter... Paul would describe how he got these marks. This afternoon, read 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. That's your homework. Read 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29, this afternoon, and see what kind of marks Paul got on his body. See what he went through for the gospel. Paul was stoned not far from Galatia before he wrote this letter. I don't mean that he took some drugs. He had rocks thrown at him for this gospel. You ever had a rock thrown at you? We've all had rocks thrown at us, right? When you're kids. I know you did. He had rocks thrown at him. They hit him so hard that he fell down. They thought he was dead. They dragged him outside the city and they left him there to rot. Eventually he got up and he limped away. What must Paul have looked like after being stoned for Jesus? He says, don't give me a hard time about this. Don't cause me trouble. I've put my skin in this game. I'm branded as a slave of Christ Jesus. I'm serious about this. I didn't duck the persecution. I took what comes when you boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't regret it. Jesus is worth it. Boast in Him and His cross. Even if it costs you your life. Because that's where true life is. With the last stroke of his big, last big stroke of his pen, Paul is still trying to convince them to put their faith in Jesus Christ and in his cross alone. Look at verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. His last word is grace. That's been the theme of this whole book. Not works. Not you, but him. Grace and peace have been his prayer for them from the beginning. Do you remember that from chapter 1? His prayer was grace and peace. He just told them peace and mercy, and now grace. Where does grace come from? From our Lord Jesus Christ, flowing from his cross. He says, may that grace be with your spirit. May, may that grace be taken to your heart. May grace be the theme of your life. As long as I have breath, I'll thank you for that grace. Grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers. Did you catch that? Brothers. He still believes that they won't give in to this false teaching. He still calls the Galatians brothers. He's been worried about them. He's perplexed. He's, he's so concerned. He's astonished. He's sending this letter. He's scared for them. But Paul believes that at least most of them or many of them will hear the truth of the gospel and reject the false gospel and glory and boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ alone. And then he says, Amen. Amen may it be so let's pray together father i pray that we would not minimize the cross of christ there's so many ways we can do it and the biggest one is just by being full of ourselves trying to boast in our own strength boast in our whatever our good works our goodness Or whatever we think is just worth glorying in. Convict us, Lord, of those areas where we've minimized the cross. And Lord, give us the grace to boast in the cross. To understand what the cross really is. And what it says about us. If you had to do this, what were we? Where were we? If he had to go through that for us, help us to receive what it says about us and to get past that to see what it says about you. What he has done for us and how he's changed everything. Lord, help us to die to the world, to have the world be just no longer exert its authority over us. Because we're crucified to it. And help us to live out that new creation, being transformed by the power of the cross. Would you do that, Lord? Would you do that in us so that we know it, so that we know the truth of the gospel and it infects and affects everything? We glory. Not in our flesh, but in His flesh broken for us. And we pray it in His name. Amen.